Good morning, RCC, church friends and family. If this is your very first time tuned in, welcome to RCC. We are so happy that you're watching with us this morning. So we are all about participation and community. And this morning, we have a few ways for you to connect. So the very first way you can connect is you can jump into our comment section. You can dialogue about the sermon. It's a really good way to feel in community. Another great way to get connected is if you would like to call our prayer line, call the number below, and then someone from our prayer team will be with you shortly. Also, if you have a need in this season, please email us at needs at rivercitysmyrna.com and someone from our care team will reach out with you shortly. Finally, for our last announcement, we have a save the date. So on June 9th and 10th, we're going to have a food truck night. It's going to be in the parking lot outside of the table. We're going to have a sign-up sheet so you and your family can pick a night that you want to go. That way we'll be maintaining good social distancing and it won't be too many people but it'll be a really great way just to see your church family. So look out for some more information about that. That will be out shortly. Now for our Psalms. It's going to be Psalms 104, 24 to 34. And you can see it on your guide or follow on the screen. Oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable living both small and great. There goes the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. May my meditations be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. And so, Father God, we just thank you so much that your presence is here with us on Pentecost morning. Lord, we pray that your spirit falls on each household and each individual listening to the service this morning. May your love and your kindness and your compassion be felt. Lord, we love you so much, and in your holy name we pray. Amen. Good morning, River City. Please join me for prayers of the people. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now, that faith has come. We are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. With all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above, 
For the loving kindness of God and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace and welfare of the world and for the unity of all peoples, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Josh and all the River City staff, for the pastors and staffs of all of the churches in Smyrna, Cobb County, and the state of Georgia, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our local and state government, the president, for the leaders of the nations, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the city of Smyrna, for every surrounding city and community, for those who live in them, and for those who have no place to protect them from the elements, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather, for an abundance of the fruits of the earth, and for those who don't have sustaining nourishment, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the good earth which God has given us, and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those whose lives put them in harm's way, in hospitals, in public service, in grocery stores, in food service, in hospitality and elsewhere, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the aged and weak, for the widowed and orphaned, for the sick and the suffering, for the lonely, for the depressed, and for the anxious, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the family of George Floyd and the pain of loss so deep we cannot comprehend or find the words to comfort, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the times we have been silent witnesses in the face of evil or failed to recognize the dignity in another, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the times our pride or insecurities prevent us from walking in another's shoes, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who have died in the hope of the resurrection and for all the departed, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For deliverance from all danger, violence, racism, oppression, and degradation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the forgiveness of our sins, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That we may end our lives in faith and hope, without suffering and without reproach, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Defend us, deliver us, and in your compassion, protect us, O Lord, by your grace. Lord, have mercy. In the communion of saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God, to you, O Lord, and our God. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, peace I give to you, my own peace I leave with you. Regard not our sins, but the faith of your church, and give to us the peace and unity of your kingdom, exemplified in your relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. By your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth. May we know this fellowship of love and prayer and know ourselves to be surrounded by their witness to your power and mercy. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, through whom all our intercessions are acceptable by the Spirit, and who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen.
Thank you, River City, for sending in those videos to help us celebrate Katie. Um, as you have heard, this is Katie's last official Sunday as a staff member. She's been here for six years. She's been here since we started the church, and she's traveled with us through so many seasons and been willing to do so many different things from volunteering to being the children's pastor for our families. And I've seen so many things with both Jordan and Katie over the years. I remember where we were standing in Stonebridge Church when they both walked over to me, to me after a service when we were stacking chairs. And she said, hey, we have something to tell you. We're pregnant. And that was with Piper. Now Piper is an adult, almost. We've seen so many things happen a few years ago, she decided to step into kids' ministry, and at that point, we needed somebody who would bring the particular skill set that she had, and it has helped us immensely. She is a person of structure. She is a person who is faithful. She is a person who is present, and I know that it's been a hard and good season, as all kids' ministries can be, rewarding and challenging, but I know for us, this year has been particularly tough because this isn't the way that we would have wanted to celebrate Katie. We would not have wanted it to be from our homes. We anticipated doing this in person. And so thank you for sending in videos. I want to share a few of my favorite moments from Katie, which have been plentiful, whether it's been her, her sense of humor or her uh, witty comebacks. One of my favorite moments actually happened this last year when we were in a service in here and for some reason, the alarm went off, and we all had to enter the parking lot. And none of us knew what to do, including myself. I was confused about what to do. And Katie and Jessica came barging outside and almost instantly stepped into this role of, here's what needs to happen. And I saw a part of her leadership that I think will be a part of her whole life. And so, Katie, I just want to celebrate who you are in these moments, and also just let you know that as a person, you've been a blessing, whether it's helping us with our actual gardens at home or helping us grow the gardens of our families. You have been a deposit of God, and you have been a blessing to us, and everything that you have poured in has been good, and we've all grown, and I hope you've grown, and as you head into the next season, I pray that God would just let it be deeper and deeper with Him and more meaningful as you're feeling calling and hope. And just for the body to know, Jordan and Katie are still going to be here. Jordan will remain as the director of the table and helping to facilitate the vision of River City through community transformation at the table. And Katie will still be around. And hopefully soon, when we can be back together again, we can celebrate her more fully together. Until then, Katie, know that we love you, that we're thankful for you, and for all that you've done for us. You've done a great job. Thank you for pouring into our kids. Hey, River City family, welcome to Pentecost Sunday glad you're celebrating with us, watching along with us, present with us. All during service, you can join in on the comments, which you can pull up on your portal. Today is Pentecost Sunday, which is something historically that the church has celebrated, a lot of times even by singing happy birthday, having the kids to stand up and sing happy birthday. It's a joyful day. One of the reasons is because it's the birth of the church, and it's the time and acts where the Spirit of God falls on a group of believers and empowers them to enter their city, speaking tongues of different languages. Today, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. And we know through Scripture that this is kind of the introduction or the Holy Spirit's coming at us party. 
But we, we hear the scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit as the counselor or the healer or the helper, all nurturing words of the Holy Spirit. We, we see as, as time travels through in Corinthians, Paul writes a lot about the work of the Spirit, talking either about the gifts that have been given to each of us to use, talking about the fruit of the Spirit that's within a believer, and then talking about how to accomplish services or gatherings with the power of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 14, seems to talk about how to do that with wisdom, as if some of the people had forgotten about the wisdom of God and the fruit of God. But one of the big questions that's always traveled through history is, what's important, the freedom in the Spirit or the structure that allows for the gatherings? And so I wanted to just talk for a moment about how the moves of God throughout history have been inclusive of both. There's been seasons of strong moves of God. There's been seasons of structure in the church. Sometimes people have excluded things because of fear, and sometimes people have excluded some structures because of selfishness. No one's done it all perfectly, but we have the opportunity now to to do it on our own. But some of the largest movements have started in history by the power of the Spirit, whether it's Azusa Street at the beginning of the 19th century or lots of the moves of God that have happened over time has been by the power of God empowering believers to then go into their cities and their worlds and speak the news of the gospel by their actions and by their words. And so I wanted to read you a quote that talks a little bit about what I believe is important within the body because I believe we're a people of Acts 1 and of Acts 2. It's not just the God of Acts 1 where we're waiting on God and we're creating space to be with God and carving out those heart spaces to anticipate. And we're not just the body in Acts 2 where we're all celebration, all ecstasy, all dancing. There has to be room for both. And I love that this quote that I'm going to read to you encompasses the thought behind. This is Nathan Clare, and he says, I want the Eucharist and ecstatic tongues. I want the processional with Durifer and Crucifer and harp and bowl singing. I want antiphonal chanted psalms and open mic prayer and prophecy. I want the creeds, the Our Father, and miraculous healings and dancing in the aisles. I want it all. I want this for our body. I want this for our city. I believe our churches need all of it. We need to have a robust mill. We need to be people who can go deep and we need to be people who can celebrate. So here in this text that we're about to read, this body has been waiting and we've been talking about why they've been waiting and where they've been waiting. They've been waiting in the upper room. But I want to read you Acts 2, 1 through 21. If you want to open your Bibles, you can follow along. And it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, one on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there, were dwelling, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, 
Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty work of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. On your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm just going to pray. Father, help our hearts to even be stirred right now as we read text together, as we read the sacred scriptures together, as we read the word of God together. Let these be lively oracles. Let these be alive within us. Let our hearts welcome these words to read us and for us to read them. Help us to be in unison as we say yes to what you're speaking to us. Help us to hear the invitations of your spirit in this text on Pentecost Sunday. Even for us, yes, God, let us hear clearly what you're inviting us to do as we wait for you. In Jesus' name, we pray. So this story starts with them all together. And you've already heard this because we've been walking through it. But they've been waiting in the upper room because Jesus has told them to go there and ask them to stay there until the promised one comes, the Holy Spirit. They've been waiting in a space close together, literally next to one another. And we're waiting as well. We're not all together, but we're still similarly waiting in a similar space. Our space is COVID-19 and the new reality that we have to navigate. We're all in a similar space waiting for something to change. M many of us hoping to hear God come and speak to us. Peace be with you. You can be filled with hope. You can move forward with your life. You don't have to stay in this space. Many of us just asking God, come take us out of this space. Many of us would do anything to get out of this space, but we're all together in this space. Think of the guest list that is at this event, right? Like these 120 people that have assembled in this room, and we're not necessarily sure who all of them are. It's possible that many women are there. Think of who's outside that room in the city. Many important people from many different nations coming together on a day to celebrate and to be together. Think of all the different things that had to come into place for this scenario to work. Think of all of the different pieces that have been navigated through history to be here this day. This is how the Spirit of God works. God takes so much into account that we could never think of. 
So when we say we're going to have a month of listening prayer, or when these disciples say, we'll say yes to the invitation you've given us to sit and wait and to not act until you tell us. When we decide to do that, it's not just that we're forming our plan. It's that we're allowing the work of God that's much broader than our homes or our cities to begin to permeate. We're allowing him to set the scenes for what his work looks like. And we don't know how to navigate that because Lord knows we would not have expected tongues of fire to show up on people's heads. And I know they were not thinking that. And that's what happened. The spirit is poured out on 120 people. First-hand experience. It's not a metaphor. Really happening They're sitting and waiting and praying and devoted to one another. And all of a sudden, like a rushing wind, the power of God fills their room. And on each of their heads appears fire and tongues of fire. A couple of things here. Throughout scripture, fire represents the presence of God. Like the burning bush. It's not consumed, but God is there speaking. I am. God is speaking coming down from the mountain or on the chariot in Daniel 7. Fire represents the times when God is present with his people. But there's a a nuanced, I think there's a nuanced something spoken to the powers that be in this city because historically in the first century on a Roman coin, there was a picture of tongues of fire over the head of Caesar saying that he is, like a son of God, or like a God. And I think this act is showing the powers that be in this scenario something different about the true powers that be, especially when the actions begin to unfold. But I do think it's important just to talk for a moment, because I've said to you so many times, you know that God is speaking because he speaks in a still, small voice. And he does. Like, I think scripture is full of stories about how God is speaking. And we have even been learning how to recognize the invitations of God through the Spirit of God. But make no mistake that in this scenario, God is not speaking with a gentle whisper. This is the opposite of that. This sounds more like a roar or a boom. This is so powerfully spoken and loud and uncomfortable that it gets the attention of a city and propels a group of disciples to the ends of the earth. It's loud enough to shake their whole lives into a new stratosphere. So yes, the Spirit of God speaks to us in ways that will calm us because it's comforting, but make no mistake, there are times when the Spirit of God will shake us to the core and change the trajectory of our lives, adding things that we could not have seen and jolting us because we need to be jolted. I'm not sure if we're in a season where we need to be jolted or not. I think we might be right now, if I'm honest. I think the Spirit of God is jolting us, and many are not wanting to be jolted. But I think if we take the cues from these guys, right, we can learn a lot. They begin to speak in the tongues of other languages. Just listen to what I'm saying to you. They don't just start to speak in angelic tongues like Paul talks about. They're literally speaking languages of people from other places. Languages of people who are in the proximity of their lives. Languages of people who are in the exact setting that they've been told to wait in. Wait here, I'm coming. Did God not tell them I'm also bringing these other people because you'll speak their language? What would they have done with that? You're going to end up speaking other people's languages. What would they, they would have not even known what to do. 
they begin to speak other languages. Language, just for us to be clear, is a window not just into understanding, but it's windows into cultures. When we understand someone's language, it shows much more than just how they phrase words or how they've learned to relate to one another. It, it carries within it the heart of a culture, the history of a culture, the nuances of what it means to be family in that culture. And so here, specifically, I want to read you this quote from Debbie Thomas, I think. And it says this, What the crowds found baffling was that God would condescend to speak to them in their own mother tongues. That he would welcome them so intimately with words and expressions hearkening back to their birthplaces, their childhoods, their beloved cities, countries, and cultures of origins. As if to say, this spirit-drenched place, this fledgling church, fledgling church, this new body of Christ is yours, those who don't speak their language yet. You don't have to feel like outsiders here. We spear your language too. Come in, come in, and feel at home. They weren't enamored. This is mind-boggling at the, at the way that God will use us. They weren't enamored at the message of the gospel of Jesus. They were enamored that there are people there that are speaking their language and in that, sharing the gospel to them. They were enamored that the gospel came through people who don't speak their language, which meant they had to say no to their native language to make sure this person understood the message of the gospel. Language is important. Another thing happening here is, is there's kind of a play on what happened in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. And you can pull this up. This is the, the story of Babel where a group of people decided that they would work their way to God. It's almost like continuing the actions earlier in Genesis about eating from the wrong tree or becoming like God. And you can pull up Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Is this on your, you have this one? Cool. All right. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. I don't think I said that right, but it's okay. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them now. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. This is a big day. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and left off building the city. They left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. From there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. In this story, the people were trying to build vertically, to build a name for themselves so they wouldn't be dispersed. They try and build a name out of fear and end up dispersed. In the story we're reading in Acts, the people, 
by the power of the Spirit of God, he shows up and empowers a unification that dispels them not vertically, but horizontally. It's the Spirit's power to expand the circle a little bit farther than it was before. To expand the message of the gospel to others. This is like the idea of starting to reassemble what God had originally intended. And he does it not by making all of them speak one language. Because yes, languages are beautiful and differences are beautiful. And even the difference of our colors are beautiful and should be celebrated. But here... It's a language that's over and above all language, the language of the gospel. But it doesn't super, it doesn't, it doesn't subvert the idea that someone hearing in their own language is important. It doesn't remove from the disciples the need to not just demand that people hear this in their language to restore Israel, but it sends the disciples beyond their comfort of their own homeland into territories they're not familiar with so that they have to trust the Spirit of God to give them the words to speak to people in their own languages. He sends them with power, with the gospel, to people who become enamored that someone would speak their language by the power of God and these people are included in the message. And it's Super successful. 3,000 people are added to the church. And if you travel a little farther in Acts, and we won't get to this passage next week, Peter gives a, a case for Christ that is one of the best sermons ever preached. People repent and are baptized and are added to the church, and then they start meeting together, and they're devoted to one another, and all of this work of the Holy Spirit is working towards this unity and diversity around the idea that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the unification language and what we are to go after. So, I like the action of Peter here, who's able to see what's happening, interpret it, see how this applies to the text and scriptures, see how all of it's working together, and then present to the exact scenario they're in an end. This is about Jesus. You guys are invited. And all this is prep. All the prep that went before this. All of the sitting and waiting all of the drawing and convicting, all of the challenging and not giving the disciples what they wanted when they wanted it, all of the hard situations, all of the ministry failures, all of the different scenarios that didn't seem to make sense all culminate into this, not saying that those weren't important, but saying that if you are willing to wait on God and allow him to work, these are the kinds of things he'll do. His ways are better than our ways. We don't know how he wants to show up in our city right now specifically, we're not meant to copy this exactly. But we are meant to take the lessons from this text, which teach us that if we learn other people's languages, they might hear the gospel which we believe in. Are there invitations for us right now to learn a language that we might not be comfortable with? Are there invitations for us right now to sit and wait for the power of the gospel to show us how to selflessly enter our cities and serve our brother and sister with neighborly love to tell them the gospel of Jesus is actually for you? And we're not asking you to jump through all these hurdles, but we will come to you, we will serve you, and we will invite you to our tables. What kind of an invitation is the church right now invited into? Whether it's through COVID-19 or understanding how systematic power can harm people. 
What kind of conversations are we being invited into? What if the disciples would have said to the Spirit of God hovering over their heads, I would really appreciate it if you would just allow me to speak the language I'm comfortable with. I've spent a lot of time learning this. I know that it's clear. I understand it. And if they could just travel a little bit, they would understand it too. Have you ever been around someone who's speaking to someone who has a second language, but the person who has one language speaks to the person speaking their second language as if they're a moron? I've been around many people like that. And I don't think that, that's what God's asking us to do. I think in this season right now, we're being invited into deeper conversations with him. We're being invited to continually wait and believe that his power will show up. But he's most definitely asking us to learn to speak the languages in our city. He's asking us to trust that the Holy Spirit's power is for us. And it's not just some scheme we're going to work up and form this perfect plan on how to do church now. That's not what he's saying. It's still dependent on the power of the Spirit and a body of believers who believe that we depend on the Spirit. I love this quote I want to read to you. This might be the last quote for you today. The power of the Holy Spirit in worship services resembles the vision of poet theologian Amos Wilder. The world is molten and hearts are sifted. The altar is like a third rail that spatters sparks. The sanctuary is like the chamber next to an atomic oven. There are invisible rays and you leave your watch outside. Spiritual power can create thundering choirs, soaring rhetoric, over-the-top praise bands, and sermons that rock with joy. It can create congregations who sing with their hearts and their faces, who sing with their hearts and their faces, pray without ceasing and extend themselves for others. Many congregations can use this reminder of these facts. As we wait on how the Spirit of God will position the body of Christ to be the hands and feet, we wait and anticipate that the power of the Spirit is alive. And we don't get to choose if we're to do it outwardly and it's a loud boom or if it's through conversations that are more calming. But we get to be a part if we want to be a part. And that's the invitation to us right now, to understand where we're at, to recognize what's the scene that's been set around us. Who is in this scene? Who am I bumping into? Who am I having conversations with? Who is in this sphere that when God decides to show up, Things will make sense. What am I preparing for? What is he preparing me for? There's no way the disciples would have known that that was what was going to happen. But because they were willing to wait and then follow with boldness and bravery, they were, they were able to be used by God to speak the very message of the gospel to people who needed it, to people who are hungry and thirsty. And that's our cry right now. Our cry is that we would be people who would be so filled because we've spent time with God like the people in Acts 1, but we would be people that expect God to show up like he did in Acts 2. And I want to read you this. This is John 7, 37 through 39. It says this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But we know that he has now. We actually did a breakout in our group last night over Lexio Divino. And we talked about the part of this passage that stood out the most. And one of the things that was said that stirred me the deepest was that sometimes just in being around another person and hearing 
the life of God in their heart. It's as if rivers of living waters are flowing out of each of us. And sometimes we don't know how to fill ourselves so that this water can flow out, but being around one another and allowing the rivers of living water to flow out of us to others within our, within our body restores our souls, reminds us of who we are, and allows us to be so full that we can give and offer ourselves to our neighbors in our city, to our families, in a season when people need us. And so as we pray today, and I'm going to move into pray, I want to ask you, how thoughtful is your father about what he's having you wait for? Is it random? Is it just kind of like he's trying to figure out a thing to maybe work together for you so you'll be satisfied spiritually? Or has it been working since the beginning of time? Has it been something he's been leaning towards and Jesus has been interceding for since the beginning of time and even now continued? Is it something that we're just, maybe if I just create this space, something good will happen? Or is it something so broad that we're being invited into it when we do that and we get to participate? What's the scene around your life? What is happening? What are you being led into? Listen to the invitations of the Spirit in your life this week. If he's saying to wait, wait. If he's saying to celebrate, celebrate. If he's giving you a language to speak to an arena you've never spoke to before, speak up. Today, Father, we present ourselves to you as a body who wants to celebrate around the Eucharist and even around tongues we don't understand, who wants to dance in the aisles and sit and wait, who wants to worship loudly and celebrate loudly and scream to our God from the depths of our heart and sit in intercession and let the murmurs of our heart come out in groans, God, because we don't even know what to say. Let our body be a body who sees the needs in our city and feels the pain, feels it and personalize it so that we can carry that to you, God. And let our body celebrate for what's coming and what you've already done and what you're doing in this season. Let us be Eucharistic. Let us be charismatic. Let us listen. Let us celebrate. Let us step into our rightful spot as the children of God, the sons and daughters of God, as brothers and sisters, and let rivers of living water flow from our hearts to one another and to our city. Quicken our spirits, God. Quicken us. Quicken us to hear the invitations. Quicken us to notice the loud sound of your presence speaking to us, jolting us, Allow us to say yes, God, to where you're leading us. And let your church, God, come out of this. And this is my prayer for our body. God, that there would be a restoration for the sacred spaces of the church. That there would be restoration for the sacred gathering that's been passed down from century to century. In and out of success and failure. In and out of churches dying and thriving. That we would come from this season being reminded that it is good for brother and sister to gather together. That it is good for the body of Christ to be together. That it is good that you have given each of us a thing to deposit. Each of us speaks one thing maybe great to offer the body. That when we gather back together, God. That when we gather together as a body... It's more alive than it's ever been. The presence of God is so real and tangible 
that we anticipate that you are moving, that we anticipate that there's such spiritual power that you so fill us with the Holy Spirit that, yes, we would even be selfless to the ends of the earth, that, yes, we would even choose humility over pride, that we would be so full and overflowing of the Spirit, speaking in different languages and tongues, that we would understand what it means to suffer for your cause, to suffer as you've suffered, to fellowship in your sufferings, to be sent, God, that we would stand on the front line of whatever's happening in our world, whether it's racism or a virus, that we would be people that would put ourselves in those places, not because it will make us great, because we're going to make a name for ourselves, but because, God, you are broadening the circle of the gospel, because this life is too good to keep on our own. It's like rivers of living waters flowing out of us. Let us be like that at River City. Let the waters flow from us to so many, God, that need a drink of hope and peace, that need a drink of healing and restoration, that need a drink of what it means to know that they're not an orphan, but they are a part of the family, that need a drink of what it means to be forgiven and cleansed and restored. Continue to make River City a church that's like not only a city on a hill, God, but, but a place that's an outpost for your kingdom where the language of heaven is what the language we're speaking. And we thank you, Jesus, for these opportunities. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.